Welcome to the Real Peel Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me today is my unparagoned and sexicalist <laughs> okay. co-host. Okay, unparagon. Let me take a guess. Unparagon means not complex? No, just like nothing can compare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The definition on this website called bigwords.com. <laughs> okay. Free plug, free plug. <laughs> uh, and unparagoned means having no paragon or equal, matchless, peerless. Nothing compares to you. Mm, Prince <laughs> right there. All right. What's what's the other word? Sexicalist. So I'm sexless, sexless now. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. Nothing compares me because I'm sexless. All right. Yeah. What is, what is that word? What's the definition? One who lives under a rock. <laughs> Given the situation, yeah, it's been I've been living under, under a rock for a little bit. <laughs> I think we all have. Oh, hi everyone! It's Mark Salcedo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's get on with it. You can find us since you know I'm sure you've already found us if you're listening, mm-hmm. but you can find us in other places: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram mm-hmm. at the Real Appeal. That's two E's in real. Y'all need to check out the Instagram because I've been fucking killing it. I've been posting some funny ass shit. I know. I saw something you posted the other day. I actually liked it with my personal. Oh, account. did you see? Even Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey knows. Kelsey knows I'm doing a good job. Give myself a pat on the back. There you go. Pat on the back. <laughs> As your fingers get caught in the wire of your headphones. <laughs> yeah, the cords. <laughs> uh, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Yeah, guys, uh, drop us a line. Let us know how you're doing. I no, mean, since you can't you know, write letters anymore because you're going to give us your COVID-19 with that. Uh, carrier pigeons, I don't think they have the COVID-19. Carrier pigeons, no, but the paper that they write, people mm, write on, you know? Right, 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 right. All right. Uh, our list of segments. Oh, yeah. Don't forget iTunes. Yes, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Let us uh, help us cl- climb up those charts. Yeah. That'd be quite nice of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, list of segments for this week. We've got... What the fuck did I just watch? Tiger King. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, rebooting Westworld. And our geriatric cinematic, 1995's A Little Princess. The topic for this episode is, what shit did Kelsey make me watch? <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was Kelsey's idea. Um, normally, you know, I'll, I'll come to Kelsey... With a couple movies related to like you know what what's being released, but this time Kelsey was like, "You're gonna watch this movie," and I'm like, "All right, all right, you you were controlling the show. This is all you then." <laughs> yeah, so he's never seen it, but my my whole reasoning for wanting you to watch this was one, I have a connection to it, mm-hmm. and two, it's got the dream team from Roma. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, you want to talk about that connection when we get into the segment? Mm-hmm. Or? Okay. Yeah. Great, great. I would love, I'd love to hear that story. Yes. Uh, so let's get into our What the Fuck Did I Just Watch? <laughs> Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. We have a lot. Like, a lot. We would put one article down. Mm-hmm. And then two more. And Mark would send me like 
two more and then two more mm. and then i would find one and then i would find another one and it would just kind of turn into like this big old list of things yeah um now if you if you people have been living underneath a rock you people t- you people yes i can say that <laughs> Uh, Tiger King <clears throat> is a docuseries that was released on Netflix uh, fairly recent, and holy shit, it, it's it's about con- it's about infectious as COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, like everybody's talking about it, rightfully so, because it's one of the like the most batshit bonkers docuseries that Netflix has uh, released. Yeah, um, you know what? There's an article hmm. that came out that we didn't put on here. So, Which one's that one? You know that the badass looking guy who was the producer? Yeah, 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 like Richard Kirkman or something like that. Did you see anything about him? N- no. Okay, so apparently um someone watched the show that had worked for him uh-huh. and wasn't expecting to see him. Okay. And she said that was like getting punched <gasps> because like he's done some things to her. He seems like I mean I I liked his um uh I liked his 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 attitude, his like need to get the story out and kind of like get the shit on camera. And I he I has like that. an I don't give a fuck demeanor. Yeah, absolutely. Like you would totally expect him to be in a bar you having a cigarette and telling everyone else to fuck off if they sit down next to him. Yeah. So the documentary follows uh this charismatic uh that's like, owner <laughs> charismatic is usually a positive word well i mean i mean this dude who's gay you know convinced two straight men to marry him <laughs> so there's there's some charm in there uh but yeah it's this, this zoo owner by the name of joe exotic what was his real last name it's like some name that was hard to pronounce i don't remember uh, i'll look it up while we Okay, why are we talking about it? Yeah. Okay, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it follows Joe Exotic, uh, Kara Baskins, and Doc, something Doc Ant, Ant, Antel or something like that. And they're all... Yeah, Doc Antel. Yeah, they're all like zoo owners and shit like that. I mean, the folk... Schreibvogel. Schreibvogel, there you go. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I say, if you guys haven't watched it, you guys should definitely check it out. You guys, I, I would suggest you guys like, stop now, the podcast, and then go and like marathon it. It's like seven episodes, and trust me... Given that everything is kind of closed down, you will watch it in a single sitting. I seriously watched the first episode and I'm mm. like, okay. Yeah, yeah. The second the episode, way. I'm like, other people do this shit. Uh, the third episode, that's when I was like, okay, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just goes like from one step crazy to another step crazy. It just constantly goes, it just keeps going like off the rails at like in every episode. So we're just going to just talk about what we saw and like the shit that is stuck out the most of us and everything um um so that that's your spoiler warning yeah yeah it's a big spoiler warning if you guys have checked it out you know if you have please stay with us if you haven't you know just go ahead skip ahead if you haven't watched westworld skip ahead of that too (laughs) (laughs) okay um do you want to talk about joe himself yes uh okay so joe exotic is a country singer, musician, big cat owner, uh, big cat wrangler, gunslinger, gay polygamous, former meth head, uh, t- <laughs> ran for governor and ran for president at one point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was just him like on a Tuesday. 
<laughs> all that shit. Yeah. So we, it, it, it just, it just starts of like, I, I was really. I heard someone also call him an alligator arsonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the first episode starts and you're kind of like getting the players. There's like this lady named Carol Baskins who runs this. She calls it like a uh, big cat rescue sanctuary but mm-hmm. it really it's a fuck it's a zoo she just put a different title on it yeah and she's like this very like hippy dippy kind of like oh everything's love and everything and i don't understand why people you know are saying these horrible things about me we'll get into that later and then there's another guy um because i see doc, doc Antle. yeah but see doc's his middle name i can't remember his first name um but his middle name is like doc and doc Antle, and he also runs this big cat uh zoo the thing about it is like like I, I gave you an idea of Joe. Um, Joe and Carol are going back and forth because Carol thinks, or Carol says that Joe is essentially breeding these tigers for... Bagavan. That's his first name, Bagavan? Or yeah, Bog, no, Bogavan. Oh, mm-hmm. so Bogavan, Doc, Antle? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Carol, you know, claims that Joe's do is breeding these tigers for monetary value and selling them and stuff like that. All the while... Carol probably murdered her rich husband at one point, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) And how they're kind of feuding back and forth and everything. And then Doc Antle is kind of like the guy on the sidelines watching it. But this guy, he... he, It's like if you brought Las Vegas to a zoo. Yeah, and then you became a cult leader. Because this dude was a straight-up cult leader. Yeah. Um, He'd like... This dude, Doc, like, finds women, like, just barely get out of high school and, like, convinces them to, like, work for him, but, like, pays them, like, $100 a week or something like that. And, like, says that, oh, you want to make the big bucks? You have to get, like, plastic surgery, like, get bigger breasts, and essentially, like, become his girlfriend and live on the, live on the, on the reservation or zoo with him and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So the first episode starts with... You're just you're getting all these players. Well, you're getting yeah, especially like Joe's background is kind of interesting because yeah. his I think it was his stepfather. I don't think it was his real father, right? Or was it his real father? Well, his real father that he grew up with, and he basically made him hate himself to the point. Oh yeah, yeah. He, did he he inherited that zoo, or did he build it himself? I think he inherited the zoo. I think I was still kind of really. No, it was a horse ranch. It used to be a horse ranch, and he built it. Yeah. That's what I remember. Okay, go on. No, but I'm I'm saying about when he was young, who he was living with. I don't remember. I know he was living with his mom, but I don't know if it was his dad or his stepdad. I don't remember that much, that part of the documentary. Because he got to a point where he was so depressed because no one was accepting him as gay or whatever mm, that he okay. drove his car off a cliff. And that's why he has issues walking. I didn't. I must have zoned out at that part, or I probably was like half paying attention or something. He was like, like that. in the hospital for like a while, okay. and then he was able to walk again, but he broke his back. Like, yeah. Oh, that explains the limp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So I found that kind of interesting because mm-hmm. how do you go from that to where what he's become? I think he got hit in the head. He was like, "I'm going to own tigers now." <laughs> You know how people say you got knocked upside the head and put, you know, you got some sense knocked into yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He got some the sense knocked out I'm of him. Knocked, he got the weird is, knocked into him. That dude does not know when to shut up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you meet him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you learn about him, Carol Baskin. Of course, you said she looks like an angel or whatever. Compared. No, not an. No, no, yeah, no. An angel it, of death. No, she like, looks like a 
a succubus or something like that. Yeah, you mm. get to learn more about her, but she seems just kind of eccentric, but not mm. like one of those people that you they're like all about love, like you said, but mm. you know it's fake. Yeah, you know what? She looks like um, Kara Baskins look like she would be like the leader of a cult in the movie uh, Midsummer. That's what she looks like. Uh, directed by Aria, <clears throat> Ari Aster. She looks like she'd be like the leader of that cult. I never saw that one yet. Uh, if I watch, if if you just type it in and look at the look at the uh, the movie poster, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I can I can totally picture that. Um, so they introduce her, they introduce Doc and everything. And first, you're like having an idea of like, okay, I'm just figuring this thing out and everything. And I think by the second episode, then they start introducing like the they start introducing like the drug aspect and. Um, Oh my god, I can't remember what was a turning point for me in that second episode. I think one of the first crazy things to happen uh, was the uh one of the zookeepers loses her arm. Yeah, that so was yeah. like one of the very first things that was like really crazy. I thought that shit okay, one, it was crazy, right? But what was even crazier was that with a zoo, when one of the workers on Joe Joe Exotic Zoo loses her arm or yeah, gets torn off by a tiger. Joe has, Joe, Joe was with, I don't know what was going on, but apparently he moved like, like fucking lightning and put on a paramedic jacket. <laughs> like, I didn't even catch that yeah. later when people are showing it in like, in memes. Yeah. I like saw, I was like, why is he wearing a paramedic jacket? And what the fuck? So apparently he has that in his closet. <laughs> and then the next thing you see is him addressing the crowd. Yo, that shit was so funny. <laughs> I just want to let you guys know because it's gonna be on the news. Um, one of our workers had her arm turn off, torn off by a tiger, and you just see all the customers like, "Wait, what?" Uh, yeah, and he didn't even seem like that flustered by it. Yeah, it was maybe mildly embarrassing for him. Yeah, like, but oh, he man. was like not gonna skip a beat, right? He like th- this is just like whatever. Uh-huh. And so he's like, now you can get a refund or you can come back another day. Yeah, yeah. And you just see all the customers just like, which is. They're just like, what? Yeah, this like very perplexed look on their face. Like, oh, shit. What, what, what happened? He even says, Joe even says something like, oh, this is going to ruin me financially. Yeah. Which is pretty much like everybody's lifestyle. Yeah. And. um, Oh, okay. This is one thing I want to point out. And I thought this was so fucking hilarious. They introduced this guy. I forgot what the name of the drug dealer that um, that was out in Florida on uh, on the on the documentary. And what the fuck was his name? His name is not Marco Rubio. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a drug dealer that they introduced during the documentary, and this guy he like. I think he flew cocaine during like the eighties mm-hmm. when, when, when cocaine was like huge, no, in the seventies and eighties when, when cocaine was huge in Florida and he got busted and everything. Eventually he got out like on a technicality, technicality and he, he had all his money and everything and all that kind of shit. And he was like, and he was purchasing these tigers and other exotic animals um, for his, just for his own keeping. Right. Mm-hmm. This dude, apparently, like, from my understanding, this is the dude that they kind of based Tony Montana off on Scarface. Oh, Because there's, like, a a lot of comparison to it, and it was really familiar. Yet, out of everybody in the show, he's the one who makes the most sense. (laughs) 
But I was just like, you know what? Like that that shows that shows what kind of person you are. That like a drug, essentially a, an old drug kingpin, is more logic in his thinking than you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they introduce. Okay, then they do one whole episode on Carol Baskins and where she comes from, and she had a horrible upbringing. I think like she had. Um, she said she was like raped at like 12 years old by a couple boys or something like that and her parents were like uh like hardcore. really religious yeah, yeah and they didn't believe her and everything so, so she no, ran she a- didn't even tell them she I said thought- that they were the kind of people who wouldn't believe oh, okay yeah but she couldn't tell them because they would have made it her fault like you were asking for it yeah and then like she leaves and she has like this hard upbringing and everything she like goes from one marriage to like another and everything but she meets like but the one marriage she leaves, she meets this... Uh, well, she had an affair on the first husband for four years, I think. And that was that was with Don, right? That was with her... Mm-hmm. Who, okay, yeah, okay. So she meets Don. She has, she has an affair with Don. Don is also married, but Don is known as like this millionaire around... I can't remember what area Carabaskins is at. And... Um, you know, they, they show the marriage and everything. And apparently this dude, Don, he's got his fingers in a lot of different businesses. Some of it's pretty shady, mm-hmm. but not too shady and everything. Um, and then during the course of their marriage, Don disappears. Mm-hmm. And like one day just fucking vanishes. Right? Yeah. And there are, there are several things that is pointing to the fact that it's Carol. Like over and over again, it's Carol. There's even a couple of times Carol slips up, like at one point where like Joe gets attacked by a tiger. Yeah. Um, like his shoe is like eating, like is, is a tiger like wants to eat his shoe. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh my God, someone put cologne on my shoes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's, and I guess they they told her about it or she heard about it. She was like, "Oh, I don't." She was know. laughing. She was like, "What?" Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, I don't know why a tiger would do that. I mean, unless somebody you know put in sardines or something like that, then I guess that could happen." I mean, so I uh, so I've heard. It's like. Why did you say that, Carol? That's yeah. very random. <laughs> but like over like a series of events, like it leads to the idea that like Carol C- Carol did murder her husband because um the husband kind of like over a period of time, like during the course of their marriage, he's like telling friends and family, like, we've constantly fights. She's like threatened to kill me several times. He even like goes to make a um goes to get a restraining order against her at one point. Mm-hmm. And I've been in like I've been in bad relationships where some of the women have threatened to kill me or like threatened to beat the living shit out of me. You know, I don't, I'm just like, I'll take it, whatever, because I don't hit women or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I've never got to the point where I was like, I need to get a restraining order. Yeah. If, you, if you make the effort to get a restraining order, that means you actually fear some form of your life is in danger. Yeah. And like, and then, and he starts, this, her, her, uh carol's husband i don't think he actually got one though i think yeah he, he, filed. Had, he filed it and the judge didn't grant it because they said the way the law works is something has had to have already happened exactly exactly and uh don's making these moves like he's um like he even gives a letter to like his close friend and pretty much says like if something happened to me carol did it <laughs> holy shit yeah <laughs> And then he fucking disappears. And even the circumstances when he disappears is weird. Like they find a van that um they find it's his van. Yeah, they find his van out like at an airfield that he owns, but mm-hmm. like none of the planes were missing. 
even though she tries to say like, oh, maybe Don uh, crashes plane into the ocean. And like a friend of his who was also a lawyer said, Don knew how to fly a plane. No, his close friend. Don knew how to fly a plane. Don would not fly to like Costa Rica or something like that. On yeah, that plane. that's where he loved and where he was planning on moving to eventually yeah. and where his mistress was. Yeah. And yeah. also, um, she said that he had never actually passed his, or he got his license. Like his fire taken away. But yeah. then got it taken away really shortly after. So mm-hmm. he's been flying illegally the whole time. Yeah, but even if you're flying illegally, you know, like, this plane's not going to make it Costa Rica. I'm not going to chance yeah, it. Yeah, because I heard some crazy number of, like, you'd have to fuel your plane at least, like, four times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which and, is, so it's just not plausible. Yeah, and doing those four times, you know there's going to be some type of record. Yeah. Something's going to pop up. But, of course, he disappears, and, um, like, there's, like, a five-minute... A five minute, a five year window that the they have to wait before they can legally say he's dead, and his daughters, uh, Don's daughters said the day after it reached the five year anniversary, she changed it to like he's legally dead. Yeah, so she could get all of his properties, all of his yeah. money, everything. Also, yeah, I forgot to mention the will. Remember the the incident with oh, the yeah, will? She had everything changed yeah, so that. His family, like his children and ex-wife and everybody, mm. they were in the will mm. and they would have been okay. And then she had it so that she got all of the money and mm. they got like all of the bad stuff they said. Like yeah. things that like, I don't know, that you wouldn't want. Yeah. Even like the circumstances of how Carol got her hands on the will is super fucking suspicious because she like broke inside of like um, Don's assistant's office who was also his close friend and she broke in and then she said there was two wills in there when i went into the office both wills were gone mm-hmm. after she had left and even like even one of the wills says like in case of a disappearance or something like that this yeah. is what happens and the lawyer one of the lawyer friends said like i've never seen that done oh no no no, no it's not the one that he made mm. it's the one that she made yeah that had said you know this is legally binding except in cases of you know in case in case of death disability or disappearance yeah and so nobody yeah nobody's ever seen disappearance included in a will before because like no everyone like anyone could expect to die mm-hmm. or become disabled in some way but nobody really thinks about disappearing exactly so that's a big a suspicious thing which frankly that port that little that episode could be like a whole documentary itself yeah. Um, so then it's so funny because that's one episode and then that's episode, f- I think, three or four, something like that. And then from then on, we're just following Joe, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskins kind of like back and forth. Well, and it's I- funny because it, the reason why it ramps up is because Joe Exotic wants to do an internet, basically an internet <laughs> television show. Those internet videos are so ridiculous. Okay. Everyone thinks he can sing. He has these weird fucking music videos. Hey, yo, he... some of those songs will slap. <laughs> Especially that Here Kitty Kitty. <laughs> sing it. Here Kitty Kitty. That's all I know. <laughs> yo, this is how petty Joe Zodig is. He he was, he hates Carol Baskin so much and was just like, she murdered her husband. That he made a video singing about how she murdered his husband and even found a woman who looked like Carol Baskin's. And videotaped her uh, 
apparently feeding her husband to these tigers. Yeah. And no, no lie. The, the video is legit. The video is legit as shit. <laughs> um, so Joe Exotic actually roped that producer mm. into like the producer. Behind his albums, right? No, behind the internet show. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rick, uh, Richard Birkin or something like that. He um, he originally was looking at exotic animal, like, whatever, illegal or whatever. Mm. And it was originally about snakes. And then some guy showed up, one, you know, with a tiger in his van or something. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going to go follow that. Mm. Then he ran into Joe Exotic, because that's where he got it from. And... Then he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to make a show about this guy. Right? Yeah. So the only way in the contract that Joe Exotic mm. like, and this guy were going to work together is that the producer also had to produce his internet show. Rick Kirkman. That's the producer. Yeah. Okay, go on. He had to produce his uh, Joe Exotic's internet show in order to produce the rest of the show. Yeah, because from my understanding, they were going to try to sell it. And make it like a national broadcasting kind of thing. Like, yeah. Probably like Discovery or like Nat Geo or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Or TLC. I don't think Nat Geo yeah. would have done it because it's such a bullshit Yeah, show. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Discovery would have done it or... Um, that's so sad. Because <laughs> I remember back in the day... If when you, Discovery was legit. Yeah, Discovery and like TLC, which is... if, if Apparently people have forgotten that TLC stands for The Learning Channel. And they have, like, a lot of shows that is just, like... Sister Wives. Yeah, and, like, Honey Boo Boo and shit like that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, God, Say why? yes to the dress. Is that a show? Yeah. It follows, like, a really high brand uh, wedding dress company and, uh-huh. like, their consultations with them and stuff. And, yeah. That's a show. Mm-hmm. Fuck, they make a show up about anything. <laughs> Um, so they start working together and then that's when things really start popping off. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause now you're seeing like, he's got these two guys. Well, first it's just one guy who's his husband. John Finley. Yeah. Finlay, yeah. And he, we don't even know for the most of the show, but he's not gay. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, Joe commits two straight guys to marry him. One is John, uh, one is John Finley, and the other dude's name was Travis. And yo, that that Travis don't even nope. Ooh, we'll get into that. That Travis story, <laughs> fuck. So, uh, turns out Joe Exotic kind of idolized Doc Antle because mm-hmm. Doc Antle had a few different wives. Um, polygamous. Yeah. Another so polygamous. he's like, you know, I mean, I don't like girls, but. You know, it's cool by me because I could do that with guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were feeding these tigers from like <laughs> the expired Walmart meat trucks and like. That shit was so hilarious. Yeah. Like any type of meat they get expired from Walmart, they fed it to, they fed it to the tigers. Yeah. And not only that, Joe, Joe. Joe Exotic opens up a like a mini restaurant on the zoo in the zoo grounds, mm-hmm. and all, any of the meat that they use for like let's say the pizza, it's expired meat. It's from the same meat trucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. What else? 
he he ended up doing so many backwards fucked up things and someone put it in uh joe exotic's head mm. that the producer has so much shit on you on yeah tape, you know on audio on yeah. video like if he if he lets any of that stuff out It'll you're done yeah like joe joe exotic ends up talking to like uh, it's funny because we keep saying joe exotic and it's like we just can't call him joe we have to call him Co- joe exotic yeah <laughs> uh yeah joe exotic meets up with like a lawyer first of all hats off to whoever collected this footage because all of it like everything that we're saying is not really like hearsay or like they they talked about it, except for like the carabaskin stuff but mm-hmm. everything that we're talking about that joe exotic does it there is footage of it because apparently he he recorded every everything every single day, mm-hmm. and he got this footage. And he he I don't know why he did this because I remember screaming at you, saying why did he record this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> he had a conversation with a lawyer, and the lawyer is like, yeah, that producer who has all that material, if he wants to, he can ruin you. And that's when Joe's like, Fuck, we got to figure out what we're gonna do, blah 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 blah. And he's just like, yeah, and the Whoa. and the fucking lawyer was like, I don't know if I were you, I'd find a way to make that disappear. Uh, and then he does. and then he, <laughs> what happens they had their studio set up in the alligator habitat uh, like in this metal building yeah and then there's a huge fire and everything is lost in the fire yeah um and the producer is really upset and like kind of loses his shit because Yo, he f- lost everything i felt i felt that dude's hurt because he was just like, everything I recorded was there. I didn't back up any of the footage. I've wasted. I, I wasted so much time of my life recording this And he's guy. like, and that was millions of dollars that I won't get paid. I know. I was just like. Like, as, as like some, he was like, this is, this is like me making it to the top. Yeah. And as a person, speaking for myself, as a person who like who i don't know kelsey does this too but who appreciates like certain footage and stuff like that and rarity kind of stuff even like um we've had a couple of minutes after like while recording while we've like lost audio and a couple like, times and i've like lost my shit because i'm like fuck i'll never get that back one time we recorded two hours yeah when we, james was here and for we lost yeah that, and we lost that audio and i was like fuck like i just <laughs> lost it but fortunately james was like down to record uh again again yeah the, the it, thank you james <laughs> um yeah those animals all died in the building yeah it was like it was a few it was, it was alligators that yeah. died. yeah but come to find out joe had gone in and taken things that he, were important to him mm. before the fire happened mm. so that's like the big telltale sign like that he's the one who started the that fire. he's the one who started the fire yeah so um so that's it for the producer pretty much for a while yeah he's gone and joe ends up meeting this 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 oh, dude. oh wait, wait wait this is the reason why the producer became an issue for him is because they were starting to disagree about something where joe didn't want to be in the contract anymore mm-hmm. and then that's when the producer's like, I don't only own the footage for the show that I'm making. Yeah. I own all the footage for your internet show, too. Yeah. And that was, like, all his shit. And Joe, Joe, Joe Exotic comes up with this guy who's just like, I have to own everything that is me. Yeah. You know, I'm a plaster me everywhere, but I have to own all of it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an ego trip. 
kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, uh, like, even, like, from there, he, we meet another character named Jeff Lowe, who's, like, <laughs> this, like, Vegas, not, like, literal, but he's, like, this Vegas rock star and shit like that. He knows, like, all the connections and people want to be around him. And My, him and his wife, like... Used to swing and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and they're having like orgies and all kinds of stuff, and that attracts Joe. And Joe, Joe's running out of money because he lost this um, lawsuit that Carol Baskin had um, had sued him over, and it was like for him using copyright or something. Yeah, like, like logos and like images that were very similar to hers. Yeah, so he's trying to get like this quick cash and shit, and he meets this guy Jeff Lowe, who like flaunts all this money in front of him and stuff and even like jeff lowe is like this shady ass fucking character yeah at first he seems kind of legit yeah uh but the more you get into it like after that episode where we meet him and then joe is like hey like i thought he was gonna help me out come to find out he was only renting the mansion the ferrari he was like months behind on his payments on it he goes and then he stole my zoo. No, it was a uh, it was a worker that said it. Yeah, uh, a worker a worker who I, I think that's the only time she showed up was that one worker. She goes, and then he stole the then he stole the zoo, and the produ- uh, the guy who's directing the documentary goes, wait, who stole the zoo? And he goes, Jeff, Jeff stole the zoo. Credits. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and from there, it just like snowballs because. Joe is now surrounding himself with criminals and like con artists and stuff like that. And he's being conned by As, Jeff you know, Lowe. All the while. It's a great time to run for president and for governor. Yes, he runs for president. And I rem- and that's the thing. I remember like while we're watching this documentary, I was like, that dude looks so fucking familiar. Why am I remembering like this this Joe Exotic dude, you know? Mm-hmm. And then come to find out uh, when in the 2016 presidential presidential race, there were so many candidates coming in for the Republican Party. One of them was Joe Exotic. Even uh, Oliver, um, John Oliver from last week tonight did a segment on Joe Exotic. And I was like, boom, that's where he's from. I straight up <laughs> remember him now. And it was so hilarious because like when Joe Exotic, like his campaign ad is like, my name is Joe Exotic. I'm broke as shit. I ain't wearing a suit. I'm gay. I used to smoke meth back then. Blah, blah, blah. I'll tell like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I'm broke. Yeah. It's like, all right, I guess we're voting for this guy. You know, <laughs> he got 19% of the vote no, running that, for governor. Yeah. For governor. Yeah. When, when the, when he, when he dropped out of the presidential race, he went for governor and he, he didn't 19- want to wait four years to run for president again, which was his yeah. goal. Yeah. And governorship was coming up yeah. in 2018. You know, what's funny. Okay. Joe Exotic ran for president, dropped out, then ran for governor. Yeah. Which is normally, if you're going to run for president, you have a few years in politics. You're a mayor, you're a senator, you're a congressman, you know, you're a governor at some point. Mm. And then you step up to being a president, a vice president. Except for Trump. Exactly. Trump jumped right to presidency. We're, all, we're in the shit now because of him. Mm-hmm. Joe Exotic still made more sense than Trump because he because Joe Exotic was like I'll run for governor now. He was willing to at least take the steps to try again later. Yeah, make complete sense. <laughs> well, maybe not complete sense. Well, but. it made some better sense than Trump. Um, yeah, so Joe, wow, we need to talk about Travis now. I think. Oh my God, poor Travis. Fuck. So Travis was nineteen. He used to live in California. Mm. He 
came out to live with the tigers and everything and Mm. very quickly joe thought he was cute and after a few months uh convinced finley Mm. to allow him into the marriage yeah uh oh oklahoma there's i keep we keep talking about the the joe exotic uh, farm the Joe Exotic Zoo, which is called GW Zoo, is it's located in Oklahoma. In Winniewood. Winniewood, Oklahoma, that's correct. Um so Travis they all got married. Um and the more they talked about Travis, the more it kind of became apparent there was something wrong. Like he was smoking weed all the time. You mm. know, they were there was always drugs around, but he he had a fascination with guns and like this four-wheeler, and he would even, like, point his gun at people, like, yeah. wake him up that way. Yeah, and, like, Joe Joe would not let Travis leave the park. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to leave the park, and he was starting to get really, like, it was fucking with him, like, bad. Yeah. So, he sits down with this one guy, and I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, the campaign manager? Yeah. He was like the manager of a store before he became he Joe's was, campaign manager. He worked. He worked at a Walmart. He yeah. worked in the amu the, in the gun department. Yeah, that's how he met Joe. He uh, Joshua Dial. That's the campaign manager. Yeah. So he's sitting in the office. They had a camera set up in the office, so you could see the the campaign manager, mm. but you couldn't see Travis. And it's a good fucking thing too. Um. So you see them talking. You can't really hear anything, but, you know, uh, you said his name was Joshua? Yeah, Joshua Dial, yeah. He kind of does, like, a, a narration while you're hearing it or whatever, and he's like, hey, you know, I understand you're upset, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Travis, he would always, like, play around with the gun. Like, look, it doesn't, the way this gun works, like, there's never going to be a round in the, in the chamber. Like, no, he would drop the magazine out, but he was always saying there, it wasn't loaded. Yeah, he was, yeah. No, he said that um, the gun, uh, it was like a Luger. And he said, like, oh, yeah, this type of Luger, you can't fire without the, with the magazine in, in the in the gun. And he points it to his head. You don't see it. But Joshua describes it, he points his head and then pulls the trigger. And you and, see the flash yeah, on the camera. Yeah, and the expression on Joshua's face, which was like, Kelsey and my expression, we're just like, whoa like holy shit yeah the dude like shot himself right in front of him and so he's sitting there in the chair and you see him and he's just sitting there with his mouth open like what just happened yeah and he doesn't he's not moving for like i don't know like 15 seconds mm-hmm. and then he is like travis so you can see him like travis travis and then like he finally gets up and starts trying to look for help for him yeah, Travis, and that was that was a really. But he was already dead, right? Like immediately, he's like you could tell he was yeah. he was gone. Yeah, even though like Joshua saw Travis pull the trigger, saw his brain splatter on the wall, he was still like, "No, this is a prank. Like this is a serious prank." Because he was known for pranks, anyway. Yeah, he still didn't believe it. Yeah, and you can see in his face of him going like and like yelling out Travis, and the dude like kills him, and then still. Joe Exotic, you know, he has the funeral and everything, but Joe Exotic quickly moves on, like, what, two months later? Yeah. And marries uh, this dude named Dylan Passage, like, with, with, within a drop of his cowboy hat. Yeah. He marries somebody else. 
and the park is it's, it's getting worse with the park because now there's this Alan Glover guy who's like the handyman for for Jeff Lowe. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, Finley's not in the picture anymore because he realized like I don't want to do this anymore, mm-hmm. and he was having an affair with like the secretary or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, and, and he like got her pregnant. Yeah, he got her off. pregnant, and they got off. They got married. Yeah, and eventually Joe, uh, it, it, they go back and forth, but eventually Joe keeps saying shit like, uh, "We, you know, he like how much he hates because he still focuses hate on Carol on Carol Baskins, and you know she's pretty much like the bane of his existence and shit, mm-hmm. and he like starts saying that like he wants to kill her, like find ways to kill her." And this dude, Jeff Lowe and uh, James Gartson, they're egging him on. And they're like, and even to the point where like Jeff Lowe, Jeff Lowe is like figuring out ways how he can like kill Carol Baskins. Yeah. It's he's only, like, hey, how would you do it if you could? And then he would like yeah. go into detail of what he would do. Yeah. So it turns into like this whole murder for high. It turns, <laughs> I swear this documentary goes all over the place because it, it's so fucking wild. It turns into like a mur- murder for hire documentary. And so for four thousand dollars, he tells the handyman. The handyman fucking hates this guy's guts. Was it four thousand so. or three thousand? No, it was four thousand. <laughs> four thousand. He told him, "I'll give you four thousand to go do this thing." Yeah, the handyman was Alan Glover. Yeah. And then when he is ready to go, Joe hands him three thousand. He's like, "No, we agreed to four thousand. Oh, okay. And then he's like, "Fuck it!" So he goes, and he takes off the money. <laughs> He, yeah, he takes off with the money. He gets down there and he's like, nah, I think I'd rather just spend the money and go to a strip club. Mm. <laughs> so he doesn't do it, right? That's so hilarious. So now the FBI is getting involved because we got the one business guy. Jeff Lowe? No, the other, the really, really heavy one. The one that they said. Oh, yeah, James Gartson, yeah. James Gartson. Yeah. What was that thing that they said he's like a real, real life Chucky doll or some shit? Yeah, this dude looks, <laughs> this dude looks like if Chucky just stopped murdering and just gained a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. But like the FBI is investigating Joe. They don't actually say for what to begin with, but they're investigating Joe. James, they're, and they've already busted James Gartson because. He like had a lemur and he wasn't supposed to or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Lowe has already been was was caught. F- he was caught for something. I think for like waving a gun at his wife or something like that. Yeah. And so Jeff <clears throat> Jeff Lowe hears about this from James, <clears throat> and Jeff wants to contact the FBI saying, "Oh, I have stuff on Joe. If you want to, d- if you want to get him, I'll <clears throat> I'll give him to you." Yeah, well, before we go into that, mm. really quickly, when they said he stole the zoo, it wasn't immediate. Oh yeah, right. Like it was they, like it was they, like deed changes or something like that. It right? was yeah. It was they call them quick quick deeds. Okay. Um. So they they were in the practice of doing this already, and so that's how Jeff ended up with the rights to the zoo. Yeah. But then Joe was basically working for Jeff for a while. It's so funny how Joe Joe has the zoo. And then he loses the rights to his likeness to Rick. And then even later on, um, he loses he loses ownership of the zoo to Jeff. It's like I'm curious I'm curious to find out how long he had that zoo before he just or how long yeah, how long he had that zoo before Jeff took it. Cause as soon as Jeff took that zoo, he was like, that's it. Like he had like nothing. Mm-hmm. But he was still like trying to get back the zoo somehow, or still work. He was still like, even though Jeff wouldn't give him back the zoo, 
he was still like, I'm gonna be, I'm, he's still rolling with Jeff. Yeah. Which is like, it shows how stupid the dude is. Mm-hmm. Even though he, even though he really should have just walked away from the zoo to begin with, because part of the lawsuit that Carol Baskin won was she wanted like a million dollars for legal fees mm-hmm. and she wanted to close the zoo down. And she won, and then that's when that's also when Joe was like, "I can't afford to pay you." Yeah. So that's why Jeff was supposedly there to help too. Like that was so stupid, <laughs> so fucking stupid. My God. <laughs> and then what eventually happens is the FBI comes in, they bust Joe, they they raid the zoo. Um, they find he has like twenty two twenty two counts of like animal cruelty or something like that because they found like piles two, of bones yeah like piles of bones it's his his practice of questioning of, of breeding the tigers and selling them which was like illegal or is mm-hmm. illegal and all that kind of stuff he goes to jail <clears throat> he's in prison and like all this shit and then um <laughs> he 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 takes it upon himself to go on the stand and he says something like my name is joe exotic and i'm the reason why you guys are here you know, this is what he said to the jury. <laughs> of course, given like his history and like the several hours of footage of him really threatening Carol Baskins and like his shady deals and stuff like that, the it takes like three hours, three and a half hours for a jury's like, yeah, he's guilty. <laughs> and like that's it. <laughs> well, did, what was it? Didn't they? Um, he said that he that he said they wanted to send him away for like seventy two years, right? I think so, but yeah. But, like, did they ever say, like, how much time he got? 22. Oh, so it was 22 years. Okay. hmm So, yeah. I mean, and then that's when the documentary kind of comes to a close, because that's the end of Joe's story. But the story of Joe still does continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, and Kelsey told me this. Oh, she, she pointed this to me. Apparently, Joe ran an indie wrestling... Oh, he was an indie wrestling commentator and would hold shows at his exotic animal park. I don't know. Why did they not cover this during the documentary? Maybe they didn't have any footage because of the fire. Oh, that was probably it. Oh, man. That would have been so dope seeing that footage. Yeah, like they didn't have enough to piece that together. Yeah. So I wouldn't have done it any justice to do a quick mention. Yeah, because that would have been something like, we got to see that footage. Um... So it made such a huge, um, made such a huge splash that now actors are even like fighting over playing him. Yeah. Like Ed Norton and Dak Shepard, they're not like fighting, fighting, but like on Twitter, like no, 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 I want to play him. Like I'm yeah. perfect or whatever. Yeah. Before the docu series came out, they had already uh, greenlit um, uh, like a limited series or something like that, and it's starring um, Kate McKenna. It's it's gonna focus on Carol Baskins. Oh, okay. It's gonna start Kate McKenna, but yeah, as Kelsey said, um, Dak uh, Dak Shepard wants to play him. Um, Edward Norton wants to play the wants to play Joe Exotic. Uh, Kelsey, who do you think? I like your picks. Well, who do you think should play Joe Exotic? Michael Keaton. I I fully endorse that. And I, you know what's funny? Because mm-hmm. I saw um, a post that you were on, mm-hmm. like you had commented on it, and then I, I started scrolling down to see what other people were saying, and mm-hmm. like at least 50% of the people were like, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's got that energy. Well, Kelsey says Michael Keaton. I agree Michael Keaton. I would even throw in Paul Rubin, Mr. Pee Wee Herman himself. Yeah. He can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, so what else happened? Oh, what else? Ha- what happened with Carol Baskin? So Carol Baskin 
says that Netflix uh, made the documentary not the way she would have done it. And she says that it's salacious and sensational. You know what? Any person that starts off with the phrase, hey, they're all you cat and kittens. I don't care. Well, I don't care what you have to say after that. This is what she actually, she wrote a blog post because that's her thing. She writes blog posts. Yeah. She takes video of herself or whatever. Yeah, she like has a like video a documentary. Face, she has or a Facebook page yeah. and everything. Uh, she said, when the directors of the Netflix documentary Tiger King came to us five years ago, they said they wanted to make the big cat version of Blackfish, the documentary that exposed abuse at SeaWorld, that would expose the misery caused by the rampant breeding of big cat cubs for cub petting exploitation and the awful life that... Uh, the cats lead in roadside zoos and backyards if they survive. There are not words for how disappointing it is to see that the docuseries not only does not do any of this, but has had the sole goal of being as salacious and sensational as possible to draw viewers. Um, she said she's specifically upset about the way it portrayed the circumstances surrounding her husband's death. There are there have been times when documentarians <clears throat> they they have made their documentary and it favors one side over the other. Sometimes they become sometimes the documentarian becomes too involved in the documentary. <clears throat> but the way the way how I saw it, how that documentary played out, that girl she, she made her own shit. Yeah, that's kind of like her own fault. She the circumstances are. I mean, normally when you get someone in front of the camera who actually doesn't really who's not used to being in front of the camera they tend to kind of reveal stuff more than they they than they had planned to mm-hmm. um i don't know what it is i, I remember taking a uh a tv production class and the teacher had had said that when people like you have two type of people either they will close up completely and that's because of shyness because they don't know how to handle themselves or mm-hmm. they will just blurt out stuff or have stuff revealed that because they 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 take a out of the body experience mm-hmm. You know, and they just kind of just forget. And even the way, even the way Carol Baskin's character stuff, her mannerisms and stuff like that, it's just like you seem like a person who has seen blood, but just doesn't acknowledge it. She's evil. Oh yeah. So the Tiger King producers for the Netflix, you know, docu series mm. um, responded. They said she wasn't coerced. Um, oh, I don't. I I believe that. <laughs> Carol talked about her personal life, her childhood, abuse from her first and second husband, the disappearance of her ex, Don Lewis. She knew that this was not just about, it's not a blackfish because of the things she spoke about, co-producer Eric Good told LA Times. She certainly wasn't coerced. The other thing I would say about all these people is that there was a lack of intellectual curiosity to really go and understand or even see these animals in the wild. Certainly, Carol really had no interest in seeing an animal in the wild. The lack of education, frankly, was really interesting. How they had built their own little utopias and really were only interested in that world and the rules they had created. Mm-hmm. His co-producer, Rebecca Ch- uh, Chaiklin, added, I would just say we were completely forthright with the characters with any project that goes on for five years. Things evolve and change and we followed it as good as um, any good storyteller does. We could have never known when we started this project that it was going to land where it did. Okay, so no lie, out of uh, out of Doc, Carol, and Joe, Doc seems to be the only one who actually knew his shit. 
he's one of those people that's like almost like a scary conspiracy theorist. Oh, yeah. Because he's smart enough to get away with his bullshit. Yeah, he even comes up as the type of person who who believes his own bullshit. But he's still eccentric. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. But he's just not flamboyantly eccentric. He doesn't draw too much attention to himself. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, oh, oh, he changed his last name too. Like he's not Joe, uh, whatever the fuck his name was anymore, or Joe Exotic. His name is Joseph Maldonado Passage. Oh yeah, because he took his he took his he took Travis's last name, and then he took his current husband's last name as well, and he just hyphenated it. Yeah, and so the um, the there's a little bit of an update from Joe being in prison um, that good you know one of the producers Mm. they said um joe has called me quite a few times over the last few days and weeks one he is absolutely ecstatic about the series and the idea of being famous he's absolutely thrilled i think he is trying to be an advocate for no surprise criminal justice reform (laughs) he is in a cage and of course he's gonna say that he now recognizes what he did to these animals um with Joe, we have empathy for him, but at the same time, he's someone who really knows what to say at the right at the right moment. Mm. I take it with a big grain of salt when he says he is now apologetic for keeping animals. Yeah, so there's that, and then apparently, like Joe's exotic is on the brink of collapse. Um, despite the hit documentary, the um, it seems like the zoo is going to be closing. Um, Jeff Lois said, um, told the producers the. <clears throat> the zoo is basically operating on fumes. And close to the end of the documentary, Joe, uh, not Joe, uh, Jeff Lowe uh, hooks up with this guy, this other zoo owner. His name has escaped me right now. Uh, oh, Tim Stark. His name is Tim Stark. Um, but he's actually, he actually knows, he actually knows how to run a business. Mm-hmm. And him, uh, Jeff and Tim were going to build a park Um a certain amount of miles away from It was from like a right casino. on the border of Oklahoma mm. where there was a casino and they were going to get yeah. money coming in from the state that the casino was actually in. Yeah, and then Tim Or Star- like near. Yeah, and then Tim Starr in a finally realizing that Jeff was cuz Tim is Tim Stark is in the pain for everything finds realized that Jeff Lowe is really a leech and he's just like they don't really go into it too much but he's pretty much like, "Hey Jeff, like you're fucked." Like he's well, because he's, like, tired, right? He's one guy with a front loader. Yeah. Just going around and, like, trying to level out the land so they can map out where they're going to do all of these exhibits and stuff. Mm. And he's doing it by himself with his own money and his own equipment, and he's not really getting any help. And then he started to realize, like, this isn't going to fucking work. Mm. So then, yeah, he's like, I'm not doing this with you, guy. Like, no. Yeah, so Joe said um, when he was contacted, he says, all I can tell you is that uh, that he is basically operating on fumes. Um, oh no, who, who talked to Joe? Da, 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 da. I believe it was the producer who contacted. Oh, who, good, yeah, yeah, it was the producer. Uh, the producer says, "All I can tell you is that he's basically operating on fumes. No one is going, no one's going now, and there's no source of income, and that's been going on for a long time. It's not something that I that has ju- has just happened because of what's happening in the world today. So it's been for a while. So." yeah and no look he says it's also bad for the animals right because he's like i think that it's very sad what's happening to these animals 
and it's anyone's guess as to what's going to happen to them. Some will be placed, but I would suspect a lot of them will die from starvation and probably be put down. And this is probably true for a lot of operations around the country right now that keep exotic animals and even big zoos are struggling right now to keep their animals. And that's because attendance is down, but with the coronavirus and everything, people yeah, are... Yeah, no one's going Like, there. no one, you know, it's like donations to the zoo when you're paying your attendance so yeah. that they can take care of their animals. Yeah, and that's not even the end of it because now... <laughs> Joe's Joe Exotic is soon soon from prison for ninety four million dollars. Um, let's see, the King Cat's claiming huge conspiracy led him to being locked up as well as the death of his mother. Uh, CMZ reported this. Uh, Joe is suing the U.S. Department of Interior and the U.S. Federal Wildlife Service for placing the generic tiger on the endangered species list, which he says has was done with sole purpose of targeting businesses like his and putting him out of business. Yo, Joe, shut the fuck up, man! <laughs> like no one's gonna believe your shit. <laughs> Uh, he also said to have claimed that he was discriminated against because he is the only person charged with the statute because he is an openly gay male with the largest collection of generic tigers nope. and crossbreeds. Don't pull out that gay card, man. <laughs> Don't pull out that gay card. Uh, he wants $78,840,000 for the loss of his personal property and for 18 years worth of his work with tigers. Um, and then he wants another $15 million from... The former colleague of his that was the informant, um, oh, which he yeah. says contributed to the death of his mother, Shirley, as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this whole documentary was a serious fucking wild ride. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, one thing I do want to mention, though, by the end of the documentary, and it's kind of heartbreaking, um, uh, they, they show some old footage of Joe actually getting into the whole Big Cat Rescue thing, mm-hmm. and he seems like he's legitimately trying to rescue these big animal these big cats put them in put them in a rescue uh sanctuary and then release them back out to the wild mm-hmm. and he's like saying breeders shouldn't be breeding them it's horrible you know they're selling them out to the higher bidder and blah 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 and then he ends up becoming his own worst enemy yeah, he needs money so he's like what's the best way to get money turn to the dark side yeah dun, 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 dun. okay <laughs> Anyway, we talked about it for we talked about this for like a good hour. <laughs> you know what though? One thing I'll say is that from seeing the places that these people lived, right? Mm. From seeing where they lived and then how they're uh, like I don't know where they were shooting the interviews and stuff. I'm like Jesus Christ, that's my childhood right there. <laughs> really? All that wood paneling, everything's mm. like dusty and like carpeted with like old Ooh. carpet from like eighties and shit and like. Uh, yeah, that's how I grew up. <laughs> so, yeah, we pretty much, um, we talk about most of the documentary. Well, not most of it. We, we kind of try to hit as much points as we could, but trust me, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a view to watch. It is really worth, we didn't even do it justice. No, I don't think we, we did didn't. Justice. Nah. You got to like see these people, how they interact and like the, how they care of themselves. Ugh, it's bonkers. It is fucking bonkers. Yeah. So, uh, let's take a breather. And uh, let's get into rebooting Westworld. Bring yourself back online. This week's episode was called The Absence of Field. Um, it was directed by Amanda Marsalis. Um this episode was fucking amazing. It was, I, 
Yeah, I would have to agree with that because it's a very it's a it's a very Charlotte Hell centric episode. Uh, Charlotte Hell played by Tessa Thompson. Um, Your boo, my boo. It was I I did enjoy it a lot. Um, after kind of thinking about what we watched in the Charlotte Hell character, um, there was a few issues. Well, there's one big issue that popped in my head, and we'll we'll talk we'll discuss that <clears throat> as we get further into the uh, episode. But, um. Yeah, uh, we, we, we find out what Charlotte Hale is doing now that she's out of Westworld, even though it's not necessarily Charlotte Hale. It's somebody controlling her. her it's a host controlling a robotic body. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of give you guys a heads up, we are going to be spoiling this episode. Um, we don't know who we still don't know who is in control of Charlotte Hale, but um, it is somebody who is familiar with her because there is a line where. Uh, Charlotte Hale talks to Dolores and goes, why'd you put me in this body? Like, she tried to kill us all. Mm-hmm. So there has to be somebody who was col- who was there during the massacre. Yeah. Who who was part of Dolores' gang. Yeah. Um, might be Clementine. Some people are theorizing it's Teddy. Even though it's kind of hard to explain how that happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we... <sighs> what I did like about it I did like that we got a real human side of Charlotte Hill. Um, I thought that was really great because Charlotte Hill is like this cold, this cold badass bitch. Um, and like it's Westworld season one and two. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's where the biggest issue with me comes with this character because we find out that she has a son whose name is Nathan. She has an ex-husband uh, by the name of Jake who's played by Michael Ely. We never got a sense of that in season one and two of Westworld, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I would assume that she, before this episode, that she has nobody in her life. Yeah. Like, well, it's, And also because she never took her husband and her son with her mm. to go to this park and basically, you know... Yeah, experience the whole thing. Yeah, so they they were like, you don't see them, because why would you if they're not there? Yeah, or there's, like, no mention of anything. Like, they start the episode where, like, it shows the when the massacre started at the end of season one and how she finds a host body and she like records like her, a final message to her son, mm-hmm. which I, I, I know they did that to be like, Oh wait, she is human. Let's go ahead and interject that. Yeah. You know, even though and also was, to give her a reason for, you know, basically what she's doing, that's like, like, coexisting in this uh, body with the mystery host. Okay. Yeah. See now, now see, like I said, it can be a negative, but it's also a positive because we are actually giving, yeah, we are giving the, the hosts a reason to, like, to keep going. Well, we're know? giving Charlotte Hale a reason to keep going, and then mm. the host that took over the body mm. is now struggling with her inside her own, the own yeah, body. Yeah, that, that seems, okay, so that, that just seems interesting. I have, a, I have an interesting thought about this because we are, when we get, <clears throat> when we get Bernard, and, when we get Bernard, um, it's like a Bernard and Arnold mixture, right? And this one, it seems like they're kind of they're kind of doing the same thing where there's whoever the ho- whoever the host is, mm-hmm. but there's also like a personality of Charlotte in there, mm-hmm. and they're like clashing back and forth. Yeah, you know, like there are parts where the host is like picking at her own body, like digging in her nails with and like, like with like a I don't know like one of those long hair things like you could twist your hair up and put like a bit long pin through it and it would hold or like a letter it, opener or well, something? I, I think it was like a martini 
I think it was like a martini, oh, okay. uh, something to hold like the mar- the olives in a martini glass. I think that's what it, she was picking herself. But yeah, she's like, she's like carving in her arm. Like she almost seems like she's trying to like, like Charlotte is trying to push this host out of her body. Yeah. You know, like a, like a foreign object or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we're following the Charlotte character and we, we, um, apparently there's like, uh, Delos gets like a, a corporate takeover mm-hmm. and it's by Surik who's planet this algorithm to get all this money out and to buy all these shares and everything. Mm-hmm. So we see Sirik working in the background, which I thought that was pretty cool. It shows how 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 uh, methodical and how strategic Sirik is, which I think that has to do with the Rebohem. 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 I can't fucking say that word. It's like saying hobo backwards. Hobo. Rebohem. Oboe. Oboehem. Oboe. We're just gonna talk about oboe all day. <laughs> We're just gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's like free, 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 free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and Charlotte Hale is like, you know, her her the people who work at Delos is like, oh hey, there's a there is a um there's a mole. There has to be a mole in this company. And just to kind of jump ahead, she ends up becoming the mole. Kind of. Yeah, like Charlotte Hale before she was killed in season two, she was a, she was the mole working for Surik to get this data out. Mm-hmm. But like now the host is playing catch up. Like, oh shit, I'm the mole. I gotta you know all the kind of like find out where she's doing what she's doing. Right. Correctly. So she kind of hasn't been the mole for a little while now because mm-hmm. she's been taking over this body. Yeah, yeah. So she's not really the mole now. But yeah. then Sarah tells her like you're the mole. Like yeah. you st- we you still have to keep um, your end of the deal yeah well sir doesn't know that that's that's the hook so that means somebody else has been feeding him information then because he was yeah. able to do like a delos buyout or something where he ends up with even though it's not more than 50 percent of mm. the company yeah it's still like 37 percent or something like that and he yeah. has the biggest uh chunk of control over the company yeah so sir so sir's mole his unknown mole oh sorry the unknown mole that um that uh charlotte doesn't know about you know that was the one who helped him get you know big uh majority share of delos but we still don't know who got Maeve's pearl out yeah and i'm curious about that but see here's the thing they're gonna ha- they're gonna reveal that but i can't think of who they got to do it like like i don't know it's because like there's so many people who because they because um um Stubbs in the previous episode had said, Oh, someone at an admin level was able to get Maeve out. Well, it's just like, well, who do who else is an admin level who's still around? Yeah. You know, like Sizemore is dead. Or maybe they are making a new character. I think that'd be if they make a new character and bring that into the show now, it's a little too late in the game. Yeah. There's like yeah. I think there's like eight episodes this season or something like that. This is come on. <laughs> come on. Um and then um <sighs> There's almost like a loving relationship between Dolores and whichever host is mm-hmm. has control over Charlotte Hale's yeah, body. Somebody she's connected with. Because uh something's going on with Charlotte Hale and she doesn't understand it. Like mm-hmm. she keeps listening over and over again to these voicemails that she has on her phone. Mm-hmm. And it basically just sounds like computers talking to each other, you know, like it's just a, a sound. Yeah. And um, she keeps calling Dolores, and Dolores isn't answering and not responding back to her. And, of course, Dolores is in some shit, too. So, 
um, when they do finally meet up, you know, Charlotte's really worried. And then she ends up asking Dolores, can you just lay with me for a while? But she like helps her undress and, and whatnot. And then like spoons her basically. Yeah. Okay. Now you say it's loving. I think it's kind of controlling because she, she pretty much tells Dolores tells Charlotte, like you're mine. And that is very. It is. Contro- I mean, it is controlling. Yeah. But, you know, it's like one of those things where most people don't know the difference. Okay, here we go. So I have, okay, so there's a theory going around that it could either, who's inside Charlotte Hale is either Clementine, Teddy, or Armistice. Um, if you people don't remember, Armistice is the one who blew herself up within the forge. Or at a certain point, like in some part of Westworld and behind the scenes, mm-hmm. she blew herself up. Her blew herself up. Um, she was the one who would, um, she was the one who, one who brought William and Logan in and she was like, oh, welcome to Westworld. That's mm-hmm. the girl. Cause she ends up becoming like this badass, like killer type character in yeah. the show, you know, later in the season. Uh, I think it might be her, which I don't know how that'd be possible either. Cause her pearls destroyed, but she could have gotten her data. Maybe they had it backed up. Yeah, that could be possible. Because everything was connected by servers by that point, anyway. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, it could be maybe like a uh, like a what's it called like a different version or something like a previous version, maybe something like that. Um. So yeah, we so we are, we're having we're having Dolores and Caleb, not Caleb. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll get into Caleb in a little bit, but we're having Dolores and Charlotte, and this kind of like tender moment, which um, mirrors. Um, this the part where Maeve and her daughter died mm-hmm. when she like cradled her, or like the part where Dolores and Teddy died and she cradled her and she's doing it again for like another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting how Charlotte is wearing all white and Dolores is wearing all black. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like maybe, maybe there might be some good in the Char- Charlotte character. Yeah, and Dolores is seen as maybe it's like the 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 bad. Of the characters. But it's funny because you see the bad come out in Charlotte anyway. Yeah. It's kind of like good bad. Like, she finally realizes I'm going to have to make a connection with this kid that's supposedly mine. Mm. Even though he's, like, real young and he's like, you're not my mom. Like, I want my old mom back. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny how, like, a kid always knows. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, when I watched it. Mm. Uh, so, they go to the park. He had mentioned, I guess, the previous night, like... Mm. There's this friend I have at the park with a dog, and he says that I could um, pet him anytime or whatever. Yeah. So she goes to the park with him, and the guy's there, and he's, like, being creepy. Yeah, like, this kid is, like, petting the dog, and the guy's like, yeah, go ahead and pet the dog, pet the dog, and puts his hand on the kid's hand. Like, and every time the kid strokes the dog, yeah, he's got his hand on top of the kid's hand, Yeah, but he's, like, almost, like, grooming him, like... Like, um, like, yeah, just like that, you know, just like that. Yeah, pet it's, him, it's very, it's, it's a pedo. It's a straight up He's pedo. a pedo, yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, Charlotte sees this and she's like, no, no, I'm not fucking stupid. Mm. So he tells Nathan to go play, you know, whatever. And then she chokes the guy and basically that's when she says that one line. Yeah, she says a line um, that you are not the only predator here. 
And I'll, and, and that, then he he's dead. He dies. Yeah, that gave me chills. I was like, oh shit. And then she stole his dog, and she's like, hey, he said you could have the dog. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so. I thought okay, so I think it was really I think it was really interesting, and it gives us a bit more detail of who the of who is behind who was inside Charlotte's body, because she during this episode the host is having a hard time really functioning you know she's calling dolores several times where are you i need you i need your help you know at the smallest thing she's kind of like on the verge of like of a nervous breakdown but it's like when she she she's able to uh see this video where charlotte um it's supposed to be this message to nathan and how she's like you know i did this for you you were my son you know i i know you didn't want me to go and i was supposed to tuck you in but i couldn't and you wanted me to sing you this song, and it's like, you are my sunshine song. And she's like, well, I'm going to sing it to you now. And then how this host is looking at this video, and that's when she, like, draws the connection. And that's when she's like, I have to protect this child like it's my own. Mm-hmm. You know? And then that's when, you know, she meets the pedo, and she, like, chokes his ass out. And she goes, I want to thank you for helping me remind me who I am. So it's questionable when she says who I am. Is she referring to Charlotte? Because Charlotte was like the Stone Cone killer. Not, or, ki- not metaphorically yeah. speaking. Yeah. Or is it referring to the host? Like you remind me, like thank you for reminding me of I can fucking do this. You yeah. Know, protect the ones who I love. Right. Which that, that was pretty interesting. And I thought, so I thought that was really cool how they did that. Oh, we got to talk so, about the Yeah, we got to talk about the song. Oh, yeah. Oh, the song. Okay, the song. Um, when she meets Surik, uh, there's a song that plays in the background, which is really dope. And it's by Moses Sumney, who's this really amazing singer. Um, and the lyrics go as such, hollow one with inverted tongue from whence does fulfillment come when I expel from this mortal shell will I die for living numb. Am I vital? If my heart is idle, am I doomed? Am I vital? If my heart is idle, am I doomed? So I think that speaks into like the this the Charlotte character, mm-hmm. you know. If I if I numb, do I die or, you know, am I waiting for fulfillment? It's like, it's funny because like her character because there's the great the great lyric where he says with inverted tongue. It's like she can't say what's wrong with her mm-hmm. because it's like no words can can shape what she feels. Mm-hmm. And I think it was beautiful how they interject that song into like that scene when when Charlotte is like walking around and like we're kind of getting that lyric. Those playing. words kind of make me think of me. <laughs> I was just thinking about you as I was reading. I was like, "Holy shit, this is Kelsey!" Fuck, <laughs> fuck you. I'm Charlotte Hale. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> as I slap the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we you know oh so I want to talk a little bit about the imagery with Charlotte's character, which I think was really dope. So there's this really great part where Charlotte um, is just going going about her day at De- at Delos, and they show her like this riot control mech that's amazingly shot. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know I told Kelsey this is this is the checkoff gone for the season. Like this is gonna come back in some form or some fashion or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so cool how she like comes up to it and just like puts her hand on this cold steel robot and just like touches it like like only almost as if it's a human body right there's that connection right there 
And they do this really great uh, imagery when Charlotte is standing in front of like the structure and it looks like an eye. Oh, like she's yeah. the center of the eye and her hand is bleeding into the water, mm-hmm. which is like kind of like. What did you say? Like blood is no water is the giver of life or something like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And how she's bleeding into it. So it's like life for life kind of symmetry or something like that. That's the word I'm using correctly. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to die. No. no, Oh, there he is. I was looking for him because my cat. Yeah. The kitten. If he's crying as he is now Mm. uh, and he's near my leg, that means I'm about to get claws in the knee. Oh, that's going to be great. So if I scream, if I yell out, mm. just be happy at my pain. <laughs> okay, I'm always happy about your pain. I know. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, that's the Charlotte. That's the Charlotte Hale character. But we get we get some time with Caleb. I really like what they're doing with Caleb. I freaking love his character. Mm. Um, I always kind of go for the wounded characters anyway, but mm. he keeps trying and whatever, and he's, you know. Dolores comes back to help him because he gets um, abducted by these people. As she said he would, she's like, you need to change your name. You're, you can't be Caleb anymore. Yeah. Of course, he didn't take heed, and then they abducted him or whatever, and she figures out, like, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. So she goes to save him, and uh, then she decides, okay, he's just like me. He's human. Mm-hmm. But he's been controlled his whole life the same way I have. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which in this episode we get a little bit of we get a little bit of more of a reveal of the how do you say? The what? How do you say the machine? What's it called? The host? No, the machine. The oh, thing. The, the Rehoboam. Yeah, I'm just gonna look at you now. Like I'm gonna ask you what's it called, and you're just gonna tell me what it is. Rehoboam. <laughs> yeah, we get a bit of more of a reveal of what it is, and it's this machine that like took in all the privacy data before the privacy act came into order and it actually constructs people's lives it's almost like it's giving it's it's pretty much doing a simulation now a simulation they almost in real make world. it seem like it can predict people's futures yeah. and different things when it when you they first bring it up yeah no stop it um but then there's like a a turn when they when they start to let you know like no it's not really predicting things or like kind of it's, it's essentially but, mapped out your life but it's telling you what you're going to do like mm. based on odds yeah like and you, all this data yeah like dolores goes through his life like this is the worst day of your life mm-hmm. this is the day your mother walked away from you and mm. you and like you didn't know where she was going and then she ended up having um like a disease like alzheimer's or something yeah um he, she even knew what he had eaten, the name of the waitress, mm-hmm. you know, the day of the year that he goes there every year. Yeah. Um, and it actually kind of pissed him off. Like, what the fuck? Why? Like, why do you know this stuff about me? Mm-hmm. And that's how they get into like, you know, she takes him to the pier, and he's like, "What did you take me here? Because I had my first drink with my friend here, or whatever." Mm-hmm. She's like. No, actually, I took you here because Rehoboam says that this is where you're likely going to die in 10 to 12 years by suicide. Yeah. And then she goes through like the steps of like it, it 
it's calculated through the fact that your mother is a schizophrenic. You did the military. Um, you suffer from PTSD. You've lost people. You you will never gain anything out of your life because you'll always be a construction worker because the machine, what's it called again? Rehoboam. <laughs> Rehoboam <laughs> um, says that you will always be a construction worker, that you will never have a family because of your depression and all that kind of stuff. So it's essentially, it's mapped out his entire life without even letting him give him a chance. And he, she even goes far as far as to say that... You will not be anything because the machine will not let you be anything. It makes it it makes your life a actual simulation. So Westworld is now is no longer just the park. It is now the entire planet because of this machine. Exactly. And then that's when he's like, Well, why are you telling me this? Mm. She's like, Well, you are um You hear that meow, that's not a kid. That that's that's patches. That's her kitty patches. This yeah. goes meh. he goes uh why are you telling me this and she goes um because i want to start a revolution yeah and she wants him to go with her yeah i always thought that like she was actually her mission was to essentially bring down humanity because you know she was just like humanity scum you know i've seen the evils of all men and all that kind of stuff um but no she's she's trying to do this and i think caleb caleb is Caleb is considered the opposite of William. Like he's he's actually forging his own destiny, what he wants to do, and he's not this savage person like William. Right. But I am curious because Caleb tells Dolores, you know, because he's like he's like, okay, I'll, I want to join you. I want to do this with you. You know, if I die, it's because I want to die. And she, and she, <laughs> yeah, that's that purring. And then he ends up telling her like, you are the most real you're the only no you are the first real thing i've encountered in a long time Mm -hmm. but not knowing that she's a host yeah what's gonna happen when he finds out she's a host i know i'm actually really interested in that Mm because i'm like how manipulative of it of it um her was it to only tell him enough to get him enticed to help her exactly yeah but not tell him enough that he would know why she's in it Mm. And, like, her backstory. Mm. And maybe one day that might be something he needs to know. Yeah. I mean, it might change his personality. He might he might change his whole ideology on the whole thing. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like, it's so fucked up, too. Like, think about it. Mm. He tells this thing that was manufactured. Yeah. That she's the first real thing to happen to him. Mm. I think that that goes into... That goes in tangent with, or what's it called? Tantrum? Tangent? I think it's the word. Um, adjacent. Adjacent. That, like, how. Or do, or tan- in tandem. In tandem, thank you. Um, how Dolores stepped away from the simulation and became sentient and then forged her own path. Yeah. And how Caleb is doing the same thing. You know, the, what's it called? Rehoboam. The, yeah, the, the machine is told pretty much had his life mapped up and he stepped stayed stepping off course yeah which i think it kind of goes into the question who's the actual threat i mean we surik says the threat to the to the machine is dolores but i wouldn't kind of say that it may be leading to caleb caleb might because you know how we're we're getting the the machine is calculating and it says like uh elevated uh in elevated I don't know, mishap or something like that. Cause it's calculating yeah. all the stuff. Right. 
I, we, we assume that it's Dolores, but I think it might be Caleb. I think Caleb is the one thing that's going to really throw the machine off. But it's funny because the thing is only following her, though. Like, she was in London. That's the thing. We don't know that. But he wasn't in London. That is true. But if we see... But maybe that's still part of his past because she's such a... Like, their timelines are intertwined. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's only really following her because mm. it's following him, too. Yeah, because, like, we'll, like, for example, like, we'll, we will see the, the machine kind of, like, showing there's, like, a... Uh, a fault in the algorithm or something going on or something like that mm-hmm. and then it'll fade it'll fade out and then fade in and we're like we follow Maeve or something like that right yeah but see now Dolores and Caleb are in the same location they're both in Los Angeles so who's to say when they go back to Los Angeles or the machine shows Los Angeles he's not referring to Caleb he might be referring to Dolores yeah because that's how what's how what's will work what's like does like these little fade outs or cutaways or these tricks to kind of like fool people over you know yeah maybe kind of like trip people up Yes. Sadly, there was no Bernard. No episode. Bernard, no Stubbs. Oh, I want to see that duo <laughs> together. Love seeing them together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I think it was a good episode. Um, uh, I can't remember what was the, what's the next up, the next up episode or what we saw. But um, yeah, I, I can't remember either. Yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I like I like the direction they're going with Westworld because I'm seeing a lot of I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, similarities to like religion, mm-hmm. like the fact that Sirik, um, Sirik, who helped create this machine, and the machine is named after, um, the machine is named after. Okay, so then I remember. Okay, so Sirik, his first name. I forgot how you say it. It's in French. But the meaning of it in French or in Germany, or in German means angel or messenger. But we don't know what type of messenger. And the, the machine, which is named after uh, the son after the, the son of Solomon. And that's a very... Solomon. Solomon, thank you. That's a very... That's related to the Bible. And also, um, this type of... Uh, I forgot what, like... This thing they put in their mouth... They've the done drip. The drip. Yeah, the thing that's in his mouth that's the drip. That it's like, I, it looks like like a metal Like a device. retainer. It looks like a retainer, yeah. I think it's actually pretty cool like how this thing kind of like allows your body to do certain things. Like how Caleb's drip was turned off. And when it turned on, they took advantage of it and they elevated his heart rate. Mm-hmm. And how uh, this device, whenever they use this like drug or whatever to ingest, um, it's almost like, like a like a wafer for communion. Yeah. So they're having, there's a lot of similarities that they're making to like the Bible and stuff like that. Right. Even Dolores says at one point that like this machine they created, they created their God. Yeah. And what do people look at God for? They look at God for guidance. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's essentially like a deity. Yeah. So, I mean, plot thickens, you know, we're going to, well, of course we don't have the answer exactly. This is us theorizing, but, um, I mean, other than that, I, I mean, other than like a couple of hiccups I had mentioned, uh, it was actually a pretty good episode. Yeah, it was solid episode. I can't. I really can't wait for next week. All right. So, anything else you want to add to it? Uh, nope. Nothing at all. Nope. All right. So, um, I guess that's it for this section.
Our geriatric cinematic is 1995's A Little Princess. Magic has to be believed. That's the only way it's real. A little girl with a big imagination <laughs> lived in the faraway forests of India in a world filled with magic and her father's boundless love. You can be anything you want to be, my love, as long as you believe. What do you believe? That you are and always will be my little princess. When he was sent away, goodbye, princess. Girls, say hello to our new arrival, Miss Sarah Crew. Her belief in magic came to life. Come on, Becky. Just make believe it. Remember the magic? She would make some very special friends. Can you really talk to him, Sarah? Say hello to all my friends. There were days I thought I would die until I heard you talk about the magic. And one very powerful enemy. I'm afraid jewelry and such finery are not allowed. Dear Papa, I love you with all of my heart and can't wait for the day when you come back to me. Everything you own now belongs to me. You're not a princess any longer. From the author of The Secret Garden comes the classic that has thrilled generations, A Little Princess. The IMDb synopsis, you know, since I ended it with a little question, I'll answer the question and say that a young girl is relegated to servitude at a boarding school when her father goes missing and presumed dead. Um, it is directed by Alfonso Cuaron. He directed Roma, Gravity, and Children of Men. It is written by Francis Hodgson Burnett, who wrote the book. And uh, the screenplay was written by Richard Lagravenez, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freedom Writers and The Fisher King were his uh, other screenplays that he's done. It stars Liesl Matthews as Sarah Crew, Eleanor Braun as Miss Minchin, Liam Cunningham as Captain Crew, Rusty Schwimmer, Arthur Millette, uh, Vanessa Chester, and Errol Sitahal. Sitahal. Um, you want to no, talk I about I have your to co- ask you. you no, know. no, wait, wait. You want to talk about your, what your connection is to Oh, yeah. I have to do that. Mm. Okay. This movie came out, I was like seven. Um, so at that time in my life, um, my I was living with my mom and she had a really awful husband. And uh, I had just went to go live with my my dad. So, like, I saw some similarities with this thing, right? Because the movie kind of follows a a little girl who kind of was, like, really happy and, like, she likes to read and everything is magical. And um, then all of a sudden something bad happens and now she's a slave where like things are really dark or even though you're not doing anything wrong people are telling you that you're doing stuff wrong and that you're not worth anything um so i remember watching this uh at my brother's my younger brother's um their grandma's house and um i really definitely felt like that as a kid uh, especially when i went to go live with my dad and my stepmother Mm -hmm. um 
And it's so funny because I can actually, the Miss Minchin character really mm. reminds me a lot of my stepmother. Okay. Um, like, she's not a bad person, but like. Does she walk down the stairs like Miss Minchin did? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I don't hate her, right? Okay. Uh, because as I grew up and she was able to accept me as a person, um, things changed. But now she can't really walk up the stairs. So yeah, that she has to use a stair lift. Mm. Um, so the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she, but as a child, she really like, you know, you can't listen to the music that you want to listen to. Other mm. kids are listening to music. Um, even, you know, like, I don't know, like my kids are 12 and nine. Mm-hmm. I'm to the point now, like if you're going to sing a song, as long as it's not filthy, mm-hmm. I don't care if it has swears in it or whatever. Yeah. I you can even say the swears. Yeah. In the song, not like talking, but Just like, as long as it's not like you know, two life crew. You know, oh me so horny, oh me so yeah, horny. Yeah, okay. they can't. Yeah, no, yeah. nothing dirty, but yeah. you know, like swears. Okay. You know, back that ass up and all that shit. Right. <laughs> uh, my dad and stepmom were not. No, you can't listen to any of that anything yeah so you 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 obviously found your connection to um to the father no i'm joking <laughs> to to sarah correct yeah okay um so i don't know i just have like this weird like love for it mm. um even though i'm watching it again mm. it was good but it wasn't as um it wasn't as great as you remember it wasn't as emotionally dam like not damaging but like I couldn't. I connected to it, but not as strongly as I did as a kid. Yeah, I mean that's understandable. I mean, you get a little bit older, and that connection kind of like slowly withers away. You know, like, um, like I like I have a strong connection. Well, I usually have a strong connection to the to the movie La Bamba, but like if I watch it now, I'll just be like, I don't remember what the strong connection is. I like, don't at all. even remember watching. I've never seen that movie. No, I'm just saying that like as an example. Um, having a connection to something and then kind of like either forgetting that connection or just not having the same connection as you did because you know life life gets in the way exactly um so would you <laughs> as of right now uh kelsey's kid and patches is growing is crawling on top of her head <laughs> he's and, got his back legs on my shoulder and his front legs were on my head oh i feel like he's gonna like fall off your shoulder I don't he know probably you will Are you I, gonna... I can't get him that's why he's there oh he got up there and now he's okay there. well keep talking keep talking i'll get him <laughs> off i'll get him off keep talking um what i what i really like about the movie it was this thing where we had this conversation earlier today what I mm. really like about it was that she had a happy ending, and so did that girl Becky. Yeah, the the indentured servant girl, the little black girl. Right. Um, I liked how it ended because mm. for me and my world, mm. that's good for the black girl because it could have gone really horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have gone horribly wrong. Um, I was having a, I had a bit of issue. I know we're going to be jumping all over the place. And um, it's a good thing Kelsey wanted to bring this part of the discussion up, like from the top. Um, I was having a problem with that ending because the ending is um, 
this black girl, uh, Becky, she's not really treated poorly. She's obvious than her living situation. They don't like straight like, you know, they don't straight like have racist comments to her towards her or anything or even like the other or even either the other girls or like Miss Mention or anything like that. Even though at that time they would just throw like nigger around all the time like it was going out of style, you know, because mm-hmm. they didn't care. So but the her race doesn't become an issue. However, I was kind of seeing this underlining. Well, except for the one time the girl said we're not allowed to talk to her because mm. it was funny because your daughter was like, why isn't she allowed to talk to anybody? Is, she, is it because she's black? And you're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, mm. no, actually, it probably is because it was over the time. Yeah. You know, and whatever. And then they later they're like, you know, we don't talk to her because she is dark skinned. Did they actually say that? They did say oh, that. I, I must have not been paying attention right, to that part. Yeah. Okay, fuck those kids then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this this um, so at the end of the, at the end of the movie, you know, Sarah's gonna go away with her father, but she brings Becky with her too because her and Becky got really close. But this bothered me because like it seemed like it was kind of like we're gonna just throw her a bone mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, even though you know how Kelsey and I were talking about this earlier, I was looking at it at a, at a, from a conservative mindset and then a liberal mindset where my liberal, my liberal side of the brain would say, it's probably good that she rolls with them because she's get to travel. And sometimes that's the best education you can get is different cultures, seeing the world, given different, um, different viewpoints from different, uh, types of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But the conservative part of me would have been like, well, no, keep her in the school because, um, from my, from our understanding, the father ends up buying the school, yeah, because he's that loaded. Um, but maybe he should have kept Becky at the school because she would have gotten like a proper education. She would have, uh, you know, she would have been seen as a person who gives well into the community or something like that, and kind of like forge her own path because she had this upbringing that she would have never gotten any other way. She has now a chance to, like, survive. But the fact that Sarah knew fluently at her age mm. how to speak French, mm. that there's not, not just because she's not at the boarding school doesn't mean there's a lack of education. No, 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 that's what I was saying, yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then it has nothing to do with traveling. It has mm. to do with the fact that the father owns all, all of this stuff. Like, he has a huge business, and he has mm. a lot of money. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like... I don't know. Well, it's weird because like we don't we don't get an idea of like I mean I'm sure obviously Becky is now part of the family with Sarah and her father, but we don't get an idea of like at what level that's gonna be. Like at one point, like it's almost like fostering or adopting a child. Like mm-hmm. you always know in the back of your mind it's not yours yeah but so if you have children of your own mm. do you always take their side over the one that's not yours you know yeah like, i get you. you know what i'm saying or is there like um something that's unsaid mm. the child always knows that she's not worth as much as the one that is yours yeah see that's the thing we never really got i mean there's a part where like the father and Sarah are like hugging each other and mm-hmm. Becky like gets in on that hug as well. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the only like real interaction we get with the father and <laughs> Becky. I think it would have been great if they had like one smaller, like small itty bitty little scene of like the father's opinion of Sarah, of Becky, 
you know, or like his, his or, or or him asking her what her life has been like, or like what would you like to do? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that would have been perfect if the father was like Becky. Where would you want to go? That would have been like boom. That that line. That one question. Yeah. Not like I'm saving you right now, but like, what can yeah. I do to help you? Yeah. That one like question. What? Or that one little line. Where do you like to go? That's given her the power that she's never had. Yeah. And she that 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 symbolizes that I am with this family. I get I get as much respect as Sarah, who is like my best friend. Yeah. I thought it would have been great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got through that. <laughs> what well, did you think about the movie? Uh, that as was kind of slow at sometimes. Okay. All right. You were having issues with the color green. It was green everywhere. I, I wasn't having an issue. I was just like, there's this. Well, yeah, I was kind of having an issue yeah. with it. Because there was so much green. I was like, why is there so much green? Yeah, like they have this story that they're telling in the beginning. And then when they when they go to New York pretty quickly, mm-hmm. the building is green. The kids are wearing green. And yeah. the side of the walls are green. Like everything's green. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was really curious about that. And I kind of think that there's a reason for that. Like, I have this weird association of the color green mm-hmm. as being old. Okay. Um, And, it like, it's almost like colors give you feelings. And the, the feeling that the color green gives me okay. is... Um, Money hungry. Oppression. Oh, whoa, okay. No, seriously. I don't okay. know why it makes me feel that way, but I feel like I don't like that color. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I'm if i around it, like in large amounts for too long, mm-hmm. other than grass. Like I love green grass and the trees. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, but like painted walls or like if furniture is green or something, mm-hmm. I start to feel like I'm trapped. I'm never going to get out. Really? Yeah. But isn't, don't you like that color? Chartreuse, isn't that kind of green? Chartreuse? Isn't that kind of green? Or is that It's blue? more yellow. Okay. I, oh, yeah. We had the discussion. Mm-hmm. You're right. I keep, for some reason, I keep picturing blue. No. Um, I like the aqua color because mm-hmm. it's a lot more blue than it is green. Okay. Um, so I like that color. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I get that weird feeling from green. <laughs> okay. like green just makes me feel like, you know what? Hmm. Maybe it's because that's my mom's favorite color. Oh, boy. So if you can connect all those dots. Actually, as like a kid and being with my stepmother and my dad, anytime we'd go visit somebody, we weren't allowed mm. to talk or do anything. And then I'd get to the point where I'd be so bored, I would actually start to cry. And they make you sit in the green room. <laughs> no, but green <laughs> makes me feel that way. Oh, wow. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. I was... as. As I'm thinking about it now, or while we're recording, I was just thinking about the color green in the movie. I think it was. I think they actually had the color green because it's supposed to be a connection to like the fairy tale that Sarah is telling. Like yeah. the landscape of the fairy tale is obviously the landscape of the school. Yeah. How they're blending of realities without like explicitly saying it. You know. Yeah. Um, I think they could have done a better job of um, Ram Das. Mm-hmm. They didn't really use him in any meaningful way. Yeah. He was just there to be the token Indian guy. Yeah, that's another problem I have with that. And, like, so she's from India, you know, because they have, like, a British colony, but mm. they're American, okay? Yeah. Um, that's like how Charlie's Theron is South African. 
Um, and then he's like, it just so happens to be their next door neighbor, and he's from India. And that's some serious coincidence. Yeah, and like he doesn't talk. He has this one time where it's like, is this thing that happened? Is it magical or mm-hmm. is it not? You talking about the part where they they put the um, all the food and that the, part was really the linens is really pedo-y. That that it was creepy. The, the logistics of that really it really puzzles me because they found <clears throat> sorry after sarah after sarah's father supposedly dies in like world war one or something um she's she becomes the new indentured servant and like her and becky get real close and <laughs> there's this great line oh I'm sorry it wasn't a great line it was this part where like sarah is not going to get any food because miss mention you know catches her telling stories to the other girls she's like you're not gonna eat you know and becky's like well what are we gonna do about food you know how are we gonna eat and then my daughter cleverly says the pigeons because there are pigeons in the in the room <laughs> but yeah they they have this whole thing of like pretending or fantasizing that like oh there's all this luscious food which actually remind me of hook that's i know i thought about that too yeah and then when they wake up like the room is all like done up that apparently it didn't wake them up at all. They're wearing like these clothes. They are, there's all this food and stuff like that. And, and then like they, and, but like, it's weird because it's like, how did that get into that room? Because he's magic. Yeah. And, but did you miss that at the end where her dad comes back? No, what do you mean? What do you mean when her dad came back, okay, he didn't have his memory. Okay, and he even met Sarah when she was getting away from Miss Minchin. Okay, like she. Oh, and like how the how all the Indian... of a sudden he like looked at him or something. You yeah. could kind of tell Ram Dass is the one who gave him his memory back. I thought it was something that he said that reminded him of Sarah. Mm-mm. Okay, so, so that... he's magical. So if that's the case, why didn't? Because it wasn't like it wasn't like a lesson that Sarah needed to learn. She was very down to earth, very appreciative of what she had in life. She wasn't like a spoiled brat, and neither and the the father wasn't spoiled at all. So mm-hmm. why did uh, why did uh, Ramdas have to be like? Why didn't he just go like, "Hey, your daughter's over there"? Ding ding ding, memory back. Like, <laughs> why like why you got to take him on this like unnecessary journey of like yeah. self discovery that doesn't need to be discovered? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like the book has a lot more detail. You you were reading the book with your daughter at one point, right? Yeah, I read a few pages. She's wildly uninterested. Because there's no cats in there. Yeah, there's no fucking cat. Just Holy like shit. Just like every every second sentence, just be like cat. <laughs> or throw the word cat in that sentence. <laughs> right. Yeah, in and Sarah the cat. Yeah, exactly. Went to the boarding school with all the other kitty girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All your cats and kittens out there. Oh my god. It's <laughs> written by Carol Baskins. <laughs> um, I did like how, um, other than like the green, some of the green that was coming out, I did enjoy the way it was shot. Um, like this, the guy, the cinematographer is the one who he that Alfonso Cuaron regularly works with, correct? Yeah. And you can see a bit of that. Um, throughout this movie, because you can see the connections between like his his now more uh, Fonz Cuarón's more recent films and like mm-hmm. this film. Yeah. However, I thought that that '90s level CGI was atrocious. <laughs> it was so it bad. It was really bad. Yeah, it was just like 
was this made on like on a windows 95 computer must have been it made me think of the the hydra and was it hercules oh the the, the legendary the opening? Yeah, yeah yeah i know you're talking about <laughs> yeah it doesn't look like that <laughs> um i remember you were worried that like i would actually not really like this film and i couldn't read you while you were watching it because mm. you were like you got up a couple times and mm. then like I don't know, Leia was kind of into it. Yeah, those times I got up, I was like, I'm not going to miss much. Obviously, I did in a couple <laughs> parts. But um, I actually, I I did enjoy it. I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't re-watch it on my own. I probably would re-watch if my daughter wanted to watch it with me. Mm-hmm. However, I do like the fact that um, it is, uh, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct to remember, that it's Alfonso Cuaron's um, first American film. Mm-hmm. And just watching it, you can really get an idea of where he's going to be going when it comes to storytelling. Even the way how it's set up, it reminded me quite a bit of um, uh, Caron's uh, take on Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban. There are some similarities to that. Um, oh, it's actually, you know, it's actually, yeah, this is for some American film. Um, there are actually like some similarities of how the camera angle goes in or how certain things are set up. It reminded me a lot of the Harry Potter film. Yeah. Um, I honestly did not think I would like it because I have a, th- I know I'm not the only one out there. I don't really like seeing kids in my movies because mm-hmm. they go, they go one of two ways. Either they're really bad or they're really good. Yeah. And surprisingly, most of the cast, uh, the cast children were actually really good. I have a little bit of trivia about um, the girl that played Sarah. Okay, hit me. Um, Not that from, hard. <laughs> from IMDb, uh-huh. um, it says, like, the character she played, the child actress, Liesl Matthews, also came from a very wealthy background. Matthews, whose actual name was Liesl Pritzker, is a grandchild of wealthy industrialist A.N. Pritzker and a niece of Jay Pritzker, who founded the Hyatt Hotel chain. Oh, wow. After a family dispute and lawsuit in her early 20s, Liesl received about $500 million of her family's fortune. She subsequently became a philanthropist in, among other places, India, and created several educational development charities. Okay, all right. Because I was wondering what happened to that to that little girl because she had a look that's like straight up Hollywood. Like I thought like she would be in a ton of movies and I think she only did this and like one other movie or maybe like a show and like her IMDb is like, that's it. So it's good to see that she came up on a lot of money Yeah, and she actually did something good with it. Oh, um, the film is a remake of the 1939 film entitled The Little Princess, starring Shirley Temple. I remember seeing that. I think they actually did another Little Princess remake not too long ago. Maybe like five years ago, if I remember um, what I came across. Um, so, you know, here, I'll, I'll turn this question to you, Kelsey. Do you think it still holds up? Not really. It looks really dated. It's really dated. I, I like... There are some things I like about it. I like the acting. Um, the suspense is really good. Because mm. even as a child, I was all into it. And even mm. as an adult, I could kind of get, like, the suspense. Yeah, there was even one part where, like, Sarah... It looked like Sarah was going to fall. And I jumped thinking, holy shit, they're going to kill a child. Yeah. <laughs> even though she didn't. And then it looked like she fell two-thirds of the way down. But then, yeah. really, she just grabbed the ledge below where she was falling from. Yeah, like she did, like, a full, like, arm swing like, to, like, grab ah! the ledge. 
Uh, I got I, it. I didn't fall. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I know. I just didn't fall two feet. <laughs> um. So I liked that, but I didn't. I just didn't think that it held up, uh, especially because it's like mm. an older story too. Like it's not updated, so it's definitely like yeah, it's not like a HD. Board, No one goes to board like boarding schools still exist. Yes, and it's but it's not as common now as it was mm. then. Yeah. Um, and. So, like, all the dolls, that was a thing back then. That's mm. not really a thing now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I actually think the story is still relatable. Um, even not, even looking past from the movie, just the story itself, like the book and stuff. Yeah. I think it's still relatable because every, every girl uh, – well, correct me. You, you, please correct me if I'm wrong. Well, because you're a girl. Yeah, I'm totally – I'm a female. Yes. Yes, I am a lady. Um, <laughs> you know, they give the idea that like every girl wants to be a princess. And uh, you can like you can substitute that substitute that out and be every girl wants to be respected. Every girl wants to be smart. Every girl wants to be president. You know. And you can substitute that and then relate this to that story of like there's always whether you're female or male, you're always there's always that one person that wants to oppress you, that always wants to bring you down, that you will never amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And that one person will, unfortunately, that person is earned, it does deserve credit because that person pushed you. Yeah. You know, you know, if this person said I wasn't this, well, fuck that. I'm not that. I'm this. Right. You know, and that's that's still what makes it relatable. And even though it does look dated, like the we found it on Netflix, the quality is it's Netflix, but it's not like HD quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it, it it reeks of nineties. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So in that sense, it doesn't hold up. Like in a, in a technical standpoint, it doesn't really hold up. But in story wise, I think it still hold, it still holds up. It's still relatable. You know, like you said, my daughter was like fully into it. Yeah, you know, and my daughter's very picky. But if I sit her down, if we sit her down, like, hey, watch this, she'll tell she'll ask questions mm-hmm. like engaged questions on annoying look at me i want attention questions but yeah she's like engaged yeah and you could tell she was like like what's gonna happen like yeah absolutely and then of course whenever within like the turn the first 10 or 15 minutes she's like i don't want to watch this yeah but she like she sat for the whole thing yeah so she was totally digging on it okay all right I think that's going to be it for this week. It looks like we gave you guys a full episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, as we said at the top of the show, you can find our podcast on all podcast catchers. Uh, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, all that kind of jazz. It's like Kelsey about to fall asleep. Yeah, I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> my God. It's, it's only 9.42. Okay. <laughs> um, next week... Oh, yes. Next week, we are going to be talking about one of the greatest animes ever. Mm-hmm. We haven't touched, we, we've done animation, but we are actually doing anime for next week. Mm-hmm. Next week, we are going, I'm going to show Kelsey, and we are going to talk about Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to show you this fucking badass samurai anime. Um, if you, if you listeners want to join in, um, you can catch the anime. It's on Hulu. Watch it there. Um, the topic is anime at its finest. Yeah, not... It's anime, bitch, like you were going to say. It's anime, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I can't wait to show Kelsey the anime. Um, so yeah, we're gonna bid you guys adieu. Um, we hope you guys are safe out there. You know, drop us a line if you want to um, comment on the show or just want to tell tell us how you're surviving out there. You know, during this whole pandemic. I hope you're washing your damn hands and your butt and your butt. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to wash your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I'm gonna pass it off to Kelsey, who has something to say. Yeah. Uh, in the words of Amelia Minchin, I swear that child has a pact with Satan to destroy me. 